All right, Heather, A through Z. We will go with S. So a trailer came out last week for the sequel to the uh, incredibly amazing Planet of the Apes trilogy with Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Nice. It looks actually like they're rebooting the first Planet of the Apes movie. But it's still in the continuity of the other movies. So it looked really interesting. Really liked it. I'm really excited about it because I love that franchise. Um, outside of that... Uh, I don't know. You guys got any other news? I thought you were going to bring up the news, newest strike news. Cause I don't think we've talked about it since I was. Yeah, I was going to, I was oh. just going to play it off. Like no big deal. Like, Oh yeah. Oh, I forgot. My bad. <laughs> yeah. The sack strikes over. Yay. Uh, so you'll start seeing your actors promoting movies again. You'll start seeing movies back in production. I don't know. Maybe Marvel will make Blade finally. Maybe. Yeah, maybe. Maybe. maybe we'll see. <laughs> um, they did not get everything they wanted, which is fine because, you know, that's kind of the whole point of negotiations, compromise, all these things back and forth. But they are at least going to get some mo- money off of streaming services. They will... Uh, get some more understanding on some of the streaming numbers or more insight into the streaming numbers. And they will get like a big lump sum of like $40 million a year that they will then take and distribute amongst all their members, according to viewing numbers and stuff like that uh, from streaming services. And in general, even the least streamed movies will still get the actors will still get something. So Uh, that's, really great. I'm very happy about that. Um, but, and for the most part, they, so they didn't get everything with the AI thing, which I would have still hold out for some of that shit. But for the most part, as far as AI goes now, an actor can have their image scanned and used in movies, but they can only be reused upon consent, which means a new contract or whatever, or new usage agreement to where if they scanned for one movie, but they want to use it in another, they can make money off that. Um, so that's good at least. And they also did put in there the, the idea of not being able to use it for something else, like a Frankenstein AI image. So it's like, you can't take Bob's like body and, Steve's arms and put Mark's head on it and just say, but we're not using that actor. We're using parts of everybody. So it's not the same. They can't do that. And so that's good. And there's like penalties in place and all kinds of stuff to where they are able to monitor and actually enforce some of those things. So that's good at least. Um, but you know, we'll see because it's only three years till the next one. So 
there's no telling what kind of bullshit's going to be the main focus in that contract. Outside of that, I don't have a ton of news. You'd think I would, but I probably forgot it. Oh, um, in today's news, supposedly, even though, and this is like the ninth person they've tied to this film, but we'll see. Uh, Pedro Pascal is being eyed to play Reed Richards of the Fantastic Four. Okay. They have thrown a lot of names in specifically for Reed Richards. Yeah. He's he's like the 90th person this month to be like mm -hmm. close to being Reed Richards. So we'll see. I don't hate it. You know, wasn't Adam Driver one of the options as well? Uh, Adam Driver, uh, John Krasinski was thought at one point um, there was some other random fucking guy. I don't know. Some young guy. Uh, I know at one point they 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 wanted Austin Butler for something. Whether mm-hmm. it was Johnny Storm or Reed Richards, I don't know completely off the top of my head. It's just all kinds of stuff. Who knows? Uh, what's his name? Glenn Howell um, from AP oh, Bio yeah. and mm-hmm. Always Sunny in Philadelphia and the uh, Blackberry movie. Was also eyed. So. He's a, he the one in Maverick, right? No. Glenn Powell? Oh. No, that's. No, no, no. This is the guy that's like was in AP Bio. He's in Always Sunny in Philadelphia. He's one of the main guys in that. He's uh, also in Blackberry. Maybe Glenn might be his name on the show in Always Sunny in Philadelphia. I don't know. Like yeah, I, said, I, I he <laughs> Glenn one, Powell. Is the guy from Maverick, but I think I know who you're talking about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. And like I said, he's one of the main guys in uh, that Blackberry movie about the founding of Blackberry. Okay. Oh, Glenn Howerton. For all the people okay. that were like throwing a fit. It's Glenn Howerton. I was close. You were. It makes sense. Damn it. The, there was the W and the last name. I get it. I was just trying to figure out what I might have known him from. Okay. The things I said, nothing else exists. (laughs) Although Glenn Powell wouldn't be a bad choice either, to be honest. Yeah, he might be for that. Like specifically for comic stuff. What's up? Um, I was just going to say, speaking of all that comic stuff. Are y'all hearing that, 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 and I don't know if this is rumor mill or if this is like official or anything, but I've been hearing that they're in, they, they've been talking about pivoting off of Jonathan Majors and Kang. Oh, uh, yes. Going a different direction and a likely candidate is Dr. Doom. So where a lot of that ties into is the fact that uh, the trial, the Jonathan Major trial is this month. Well, no, I'm sorry, in December, I think, next month. Um, so Marvel's kind of working at it from two angles. Either trial happens, he gets acquitted, everybody's okay, and we have King. Second option is Jonathan Majors might get acquitted, but still might look really bad, so therefore they still pivot away. Or he might get convicted and they pivot away. Um, so in that instance, I think the the rumor is that 
they would actually have Dr. Doom show up, kill Kang. And like in a movie, just show up, kill Kang and bam, it's the Dr. Doom story. Which isn't the worst way to set up Doom as a big villain in this because it's like you set up the big villain as Kang. Be like, oh man, Kang's the scariest motherfucker ever. All this other shit. And then a guy just rolls up and like one hits him. And you're like, oh, who, who the fuck is this guy? That's really scary that he just one hit this guy we thought could destroy the universe. It's not the worst idea. It's not. It's not. When I heard that, I went, man, I kind of want that. <laughs> I mean, it wouldn't be the worst thing. And if you're doing that with not. anybody, with it, doing that with Doom. Yeah. Just kind of, you know, makes sense. Like, I, I've heard worse ideas. I would not hate that. It really just, to me, depends on who they have playing Doom at that point. True. God, would it not be the worst thing in the world that they get some guy as Doom? He comes in and kills Kang in one movie. And then like a month after that movie comes out, they're like, oh, yeah, he's a rapist. Oh, God. It just is this never-ending cycle of Marvel can't actually finish this era of movies because they can never end up having a big bad. Like the big bad of phases four, five, and six is humanity in real life. Right. Plot twist. Yeah. We'll get into that, though. Because... We's doing a Marvel movie today, children's. Did you guys watch Loki? Um, I've I'm in the middle of watching it. Yeah. Yeah, I, I did. You watched all of it? Yep. I've seen none of it. <laughs> Not a damn episode. I've, yeah, I, I decided to catch up. On the Marvel stuff before this movie. Not not because I thought, oh, it'd be in there, but just, you know. You know, I thought maybe because of the Nick Fury stuff, there might be a tie-in or something. So to Secret Kree Invasion and the scrolls and all that stuff. So yeah, I went back, I finished Secret Invasion, but I only had like two episodes left. So finished that and then I finished Loki. I've got so, some yeah. thoughts on Secret Invasion that we'll get into later and how it ties into this movie. And if you've seen this movie and Secret Invasion, you might know where I'm going with this. Because it's got a very unique connection. Spoiler alert, it's not. Um, I, I want to talk about why that is, I think, actually. It's not really that. But anyway, I don't know. Should I do another impeccable transition and we move into yes to this transition? Somebody have listened to me. Nobody knows anything but you. Cinema 
Hey, Cinefans, and welcome back to another episode of the Cinema Slayers podcast. I'm Sterling, and as always, I'm joined by Heather and Justin. And tonight we are going to talk about what we liked, didn't like, and everything in between with the newest MCU entry, The Marvels. We will go spoiler-free recommendations and scores and then into a more spoiler-centric section with time codes in the description to allow you to jump around if you so require. And with all that, our resident MCU expert, Justin, what are your thoughts on the Marvels? Your spoiler-free thoughts, I should clarify, just in case anybody was worried that you were going to jump straight into spoilers. Okay. What does it take to be an MCU expert? Like, do you, like, how many hours do you, uh, now I just think um, you like it more than I do. And Heather, I like, I know Heather likes it more than I do, but I think you still like it more than Heather. That's all. So by default on this podcast, you are the MCU expert. Okay. I mean, cause you, you said you watched secret invasion. You said you watched Loki. Did you, did you watch all of what if also? Yeah, I've seen yeah, all of that. I haven't seen any of that. I have not seen a single episode of any of the three series I've just said. So by default, and like Heather said, she hadn't finished Loki yet. So by default, you've seen the most MCU of anybody here. Oh no, expert just feels like you know no, pre- you know that feels like some pressure. Like I don't want I don't want people to be like, oh, he's an expert. Well, we would never he better know. An he expert. better know all the tie-ins. He better know all the <laughs> the ins and outs. He better know everything that's going on uh, in this movie. I don't want that kind of pressure in my life. I'm but, just saying. No, you I were, get what you're saying. You were the most seasoned <laughs> veteran of MCU watching seasoned. on the podcast. Cool, cool. That I would take. But anyway, um, so with this movie, uh, I think. For me, I mean, really, I, I guess I could say that I enjoyed quite a bit of this. Like, I, I think this really just tried to, it, it kind of reminded me of like, like, like if you're a comic reader, you'll probably understand what I'm talking about. But you know how like every now and then there would be these kind of one-offs. There just be like these special one comic book things um, where these characters that hardly ever team up would just team up and do something. Um, in, in, in the comic realm, they're typically referred to as a one shot. There you go. Yeah. Like the, I was, I was searching for the term in my head and couldn't remember, but yeah, like those little one shots and you know, you might see something where for some reason, Spider-Man and Captain America team up and do something. And for some reason, the story happens. There aren't any other heroes. It's just those two. And you get to see them interact or they'll do two people that don't like each other and they got to team up and do something. You know, I want to say there was one where Spider-Man fought Do- Dr. Doom and it was just, I don't even remember what was happening or why it happened, but he had done something with the Fantastic Four and Spider-Man had to rescue them and fight them. And then I think he, the solution was he freed the Fantastic Four. And then of course they all teamed up on him or whatever. 
And he didn't he and he didn't really get beat. He escaped. You know what I'm saying? Because you can't just be beating up on Doctor Doom. But anyway, um, Moon Knight you know, did they, that they'll, Oh, really? It, beat up on Doctor Doom? It was a Doom bot. But yeah, he rolled up to Doom's castle and just <laughs> was by himself, just going, "Fuck you, Doctor Doom! I'm gonna attack you." <laughs> And then, Man. and then the Avengers got mad at him and kicked him out of the Avengers because he did that. <laughs> that's pretty tight. I'm gonna need to find out where that is and read that because that sounds entertaining. But you know, that's what this felt like. It didn't feel like it was necessarily trying to connect all of these loose ends or anything like that. It didn't feel like it was an epic film to try to bridge the gap between stuff we've seen or try to clarify some stuff about the timelines and all of that stuff. It really didn't feel like that was the objective here. This just felt like one of those kind of fun one shot comics where you get to see some characters that you don't always get to see kind of team up. They kind of do something and then you read it and it's kind of fun and it's over you know, and you may bring up in a conversation or some. Remember that time that Spider-Man and Captain America teamed up, but it's not really like going to be like this big thing where it's going to affect the canons of just everything that you're looking at going forward. It's not that pivotal of an event, you know, it, but it was a fun event. I think that's where this kind of lands with me. And I'm not saying that nothing happens that's integral to the story at all, but nothing felt, it felt like the the movie was more concerned with just having fun than it was being important or being special to this timeline story or any of those things. And I think because of that, the movie kind of allowed itself to just, um, to exist without having to take itself so incredibly seriously. And I think that that was for the, the betterment of this. I mean, but, 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 but make no mistake about it. The reason why this works is because of the three leads, you know, um, I think that Brie Larson, uh, Tiana Paris and Ima Vellani were great in this. I, I loved their dynamic when they finally get together in the film, it's just fun seeing how they interact with each other, seeing how they talk with each other and all the different issues that they're dealing with, they're going through and trying to have some sort of synergy as a group and stuff. I mean, all of that is the more entertaining part of the movie. Um, even more so when it comes to Iman Vellani, who is getting a, complimented a lot uh, about this movie. I mean, everybody, regardless of where you fall on this movie, everybody seems to agree that she's the best thing about it. And I'm not really going to say anything different. You know, I loved Miss Marvel and she's great in this too. Like there's just like a, a real sense of, joy that comes from her. You can tell that she's having fun. You can tell that she is that she really is. And when you look at her story and how she got casted for this and everything, she really is just that fan that is getting to do 
the ver- getting to play the the character and the very thing that do the very thing she's a fan of, you know, and that I think is palpable in her performance. So like, she really is the heart of the movie. So like whenever we're arguing amongst each other, she, she does something or she just has an interaction or whenever there's an awkward moment, she'll just like smile or something. And I don't know, she's just very endearing and charming and all of that just really uh, comes through in the movie. Um, the the movie I think does take some big swings at comedy, um, and, and and tonally with what it was doing with this. This definitely was not what I expected because you know after you watch the first Captain Marvel, um, and I did go back and watch that, <laughs> so uh, maybe I am the expert here. I don't know, um, you know, but I did go back and watch that. And when you watch that movie and you go to this one, which I mean, I'm I mean, I feel like this is a Captain Marvel sequel. Tonally, it is in a different place entirely from that first movie. So when it's taking these swings at comedy, I don't know if all of those things landed with me, but a lot of it did. You know, it got laughs out of me when I think it was for the most part when it was trying to. And I do appreciate them kind of just going all in on we're we're just going to, we're going to have fun with this more than we do anything else. And I think that that really does shine through Um, the choreography and the fighting. And and I think if everybody who's seen a preview, you know that there was going to be this dynamic where we're switching places with each other because of, how our powers are being activated and everything like that. Um, and you know, when I when we were when I was watching the preview of this and I saw everybody switching places and stuff, I was like, that could be fun. And it was fun in the movie. I think it was. I think for the most part, when they were doing fight scenes with that, or things were happening where characters were switching places, that was fun and it was interesting and it was kind of something that I don't think we've seen in the other movies maybe Thor ish kind of where where they were like traveling in and out was that the dark world where they were like yeah traveling in and out of portals yeah the, the, yeah that that might be the closest thing to this but this was definitely more fun I, I think it made the fighting sequences, especially that opening that, that, that one towards the beginning where there's just nothing but chaos. And you've got Kamala Khan's family and there, there's a alien fighting, all this crazy stuff is happening. You know what I mean? But that was a fun fight scene. Um, the last thing I'll say is I do have some issues with the movie. There are some elements like the villain that I think are weak um, in the film probably could have been better. I think that would have made the film better. I would have liked a little more development there. And I think, um, so I think the movie, and and these are things where I think, even though the movie is a brisk hour and 45 minutes, I think because it was so short and because we were doing things so quickly, 
I think the villain is one element that suffers from that. I I think that that is a problem in, in this film. Um, also, there are parts, and this will be the last thing I say as far as a problem, and I'll do a deep dive when we get there, but to spoilers, but also I think there are times where something is supposed to hit emotionally and sometimes I don't think it lands completely because we are moving so quickly. So sometimes a movie needs time to, for moments to breathe just so you can kind of feel it. And sometimes this movie, though I think for, for, for the most part, the performances are so good that they do the best that they can and they get by. But I think if, if the movie was longer, some of those emotional things could sit and we could develop them. And maybe I would have felt more for those things. But ultimately, uh, it's not without its problems, but I think overall it was fun. It was fast. It was fun. I liked a lot of the character dynamics and not, and even though not everything lands, I think most of it does, it does, most of it does succeed at just being a fun kind of one shot kind of comic book film. I'm going to go Heather. I want to throw, throw you for a loop, keep everybody on their toes. Uh, for the most part, Justin, I actually agree with you. I liked the lightheartedness. I liked the fact that the fucking universe wasn't going to end in another fucking movie. Like, yeah, I liked that the stakes nice. were a little low. Like, I mean, I, I think they actually could have been a little lower and it would have been a better movie. I think it would have fit the tone a little better. And I've, I've got a, my theory on how you fix that in, that I'll do in the spoilers, but I thought for the most part, the humor was fine. I thought, you know, I, it's probably, I, I like the fact that it went a little bit brighter with some of the things. I like the fact that it went a little silly with some things. I like the fact that it went to just going, we're going to spend a chunk of this movie just having these people interact with each other. You know, I, I and, and build a relationship. I liked that at times it was just downright silly. Like it was just kind of silly and dumb, but fun. Like when I say dumb, I don't mean that in a bad way. I mean that in the like it just makes it an enjoyable, fun watch of a movie. Cause it's not so fucking serious. Like I said, the universe isn't ending the whole fucking movie. It's just kind of happening. You know, and the character dynamics are great. Uh what's her name? Amon? Oh, she's just a fucking revelation again. She's easily my favorite thing that the the that the MCU has introduced in so long. I I you and me, Justin, went on forever talking about Miss Marvel and how fucking great that was. And this movie did a fantastic job of bringing her into the MCU properly within a movie's context and 
not destroying that character that they fucking created in that show. And that's fucking fantastic because it's just so great watching her perform. I really liked Brie Larson in this. I thought she was fucking great in this too. Uh, You know, any fucking person that was complaining that she was so fucking wooden in the first movie. All right. What the fuck are you going to say now? She wasn't that in this, like, She's the exact opposite of this one, which is funny that I still enjoyed it because like I said, I thought she could be, you know, she could have been more wooden in the first one because I think that that would have fit the character that they were building. But, you know, in this, she's not that. So to me, I I like that progression of if she is stoic in the first movie, this is what, 30 years later? She's not brainwashed anymore. She actually is like trying to recover her memories. She's, you know, been on her own. She's been on some adventures. She's been to more places. So I like the fact that she's not the same character because you get a more accurate representation of 30 years fucking passing and doing different things and, you know, and doing all this stuff. So I loved the fact that that wasn't the case. Uh, what's her name? Tayana Paris. She's fucking great too. Continuing her, the things that she was great in WandaVision. She just rolls up into this going, Hey, I'm still going to be a great character. You know, and her, Amon, and Brie, they had fucking great chemistry. And ultimately, that's the heart of this movie, is the chemistry of those characters. Um, You know, then there's, you know, Samuel L. Jackson just rolling in, just showing why he is just an all-time legend in Hollywood. Like... It just it just showing why the MCU was smart with having him be that version of Nick Fury, because you can have him do all this serious shit, you know, in the, the Avengers and Winter Soldier and all this other shit, and then you can have him show up in this movie and also be a little silly. I feel like he's just being Samuel L. Jackson with an eye patch, <laughs> pretty much. Yeah, he's just. And I'm a, fine with it. He's just a kooky guy in this movie. But it doesn't feel out of character. He is so good at being Nick Fury. It doesn't matter if he's being serious or if he's being a little silly. He's Nick Fury. And I have to admit, coming off of Secret Invasion, Nick Fury, and going to this, the it, him and the Marvels, I think I prefer the Marvels. I think I prefer him like this in situations like this doing this more than I did what was going on in secret invasion. You know, I feel like I like this version better. <laughs> I think, you know, I He's have the same guy, but like yeah. I said, I've seen no secret invasion and I already agree with you. Yeah. I guess just to explain what I'm talking about without necessarily no, I'm, I'm just saying it, but like, you know, he's just way more serious and it's a little more dry, you know, as far as just the tone of it and everything. And it's a, you know, and it's a spy mystery thing. And, you know, it's got some intrigue in that way. But the acting that he was doing in that is not the, it's night and day to kind of how he's acting here. While still, you know, being Nick Fury, and I just think I prefer when they do this kind of stuff with him, you know. 
Yeah. I mean, and just off her being fun or him being fun in this movie. Yeah. I prefer that Nick Fury, like all the problems I've had with the MCU. I felt like a lot of it got dropped from this movie because it's not just, you know, the world or the universe is ending every fucking second of the movie. It's just that, that weight is taken off its shoulders. And I feel like you feel that in this movie with, you know, so much about it. Um, It feels more like it's a day in the life of a superhero type of thing than anything else. You know, it's, it's a fucking road trip movie for part of it. And which is great because once again, it goes back to what I was saying, what I've said so many times. I've always preferred the MCU when they create, when they do a genre movie and they just make it a superhero movie also. So if you look at this from the context of it's a road trip movie or like a road trip buddy comedy, just with superheroes added to it, it kind of works, you know, up until we get to what's her name? Uh, Zalway Ashton. Who is the villain? Is that her name? Yeah. Darbin. Yeah. The villain of this film. I have never seen a villain that did not need to exist more than this. <laughs> and I, I don't mean that in any way, shape or form as a critique of Zalway Ashton. It's not her fault in the slightest. They wrote a nothing character. They wrote a piece of paper as a villain. What the fuck was she supposed to do? Meryl fucking Streep would have had difficulties making this villain fucking interesting. Because she did everything she was supposed to. She did every single thing that they wrote on that page for her to do. There was just no saving. Just the equivalent of learning the recorder in elementary school of a villain. Just utterly fucking pointless. And there was zero need for it. They wrote a fucking almost like vengeance of genocide backstory for this character. And they made that a nothing motivation. How the fuck do you have the near genocide of your people be your motivation? And your character just feel pointless. This villain is the definition of an afterthought. They wrote the whole movie and went, fuck, we don't have a villain And they just went like search and replace with some word and just inserted villain into this movie. It's tragic what they do with this. I have never seen a more MCU thing than just throwing a villain in a movie to die than this. That I know that was a big criticism of the MCU for the first two phases is just villains are there to die. And they went, Oh, you want to see a villain made to die? We will just have that. And that is all the villain is. And it's sad. My other big criticism of this movie is I feel like you can feel this, like the hatchet job that the MCU did to this movie. I feel like there are scenes 
and story elements of this movie that had more to them and that they just cut it out for time. Uh, this isn't a big spoiler. They go to a planet where people sing. And I'll go more in depth with that later. I feel like they just fucking cut that shit up like Edward Scissorhands. I feel like there was so much more that they wrote and filmed for that, that they just cut because they go to it. It's actually really interesting. I really actually enjoyed that part. And then they go, okay, and now fight. Like it felt like they cut 10 minutes between them getting there and the fight just out. And I felt like you could feel that all throughout this movie, just different sections of like two minutes cut here, three minutes cut, you know, just hatcheting out scenes. And with how fun this movie is, I don't think it needs to be an hour, 47 minutes. You could have had this be a standard two hour Marvel movie and it would have felt fine still. I don't think it needed a breakneck pacing to be interesting. The character dynamics and the humor could have carried you for a little bit longer of a movie. Especially when, especially when your villain has nothing. When your villain has no story, why are you cutting the story of the only people that have one? You're not wasting time on your villain. You, you, you spent no time on that. Why are you cutting the only story we get out of this fucking movie? I don't understand it. Especially because that's what made me happy. That's what I enjoyed. As much as I, I do think there are some really cool action set pieces in this movie. Really cool shit. I I would have loved another 15 minutes of them just on the ship practicing. I really dug that scene. I thought that was fucking great. You know? So, I mean, it just really kind of made me sad. You know? And, man, they are, and they had that guy from Parasite, right? You know, he's in this movie. Parasite, man. That could have been Steve from down the road with how they treated that guy. Why the fuck do you go out of your way to get anybody that is just acted in anything to play that character? He's got like four lines of dialogue. It did, 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 done. Why? And that's why I feel like there was more. You don't cast a guy like that and make a big deal out of casting that guy. If that's all you filmed. And then I thought the, the end of the, the, the conflict, I thought that was kind of dumb. I'll get more into that. I thought Marvel went somewhere. They just didn't need to go in this movie. There was zero reason to go to that in this movie because nothing about this movie went there. And then at the end, they were just like, oh yeah, this shit. Cause we have to have something like that in every one of our movies lately. So sad. Heather, what about you? 
Yeah, I mean, I there's not a whole lot new to say aside from what you guys already said about it because I completely agree with both of you. I I really liked this movie. I thought it was a lot of fun. I did think that it was a pretty funny movie. And the best thing about it is definitely the dynamics between the three main characters. They were all really great together. And like part of me just kind of wishes that the Marvels was a TV show after seeing that dynamic because they're just like seeing just their misadventures and like learning how to work together and just building their relationships with each other, I think would have been a really cool series to do. But um, but I'm glad we got it here. And I, I agree also that they definitely did the uh, dynamic of them and their story way better than the over overall story that involved the villain because yeah, it just, she, and, and I agree, like there's nothing wrong with uh, Zawe Ashton. Like she, she could have been a really good villain if they had given her more to work with on that. But yeah, I mean, I just, the, the faults of the movie are, it's a little easier to overlook them in this one because of how fun this movie was. And it is interesting because I feel like, yes, all of these characters that aren't always super lighthearted all the time, right? Like they're like Captain Marvel or Nick Fury, you know, they're not always this way. And that's why it does kind of feel a little bit like it's a um, Kamala Khan movie almost because it almost feels like she's just so magnetic to everybody that she's around that they sort of just give off a more easygoing vibe being around her because of her character and which is kind of cool. And I don't know if that's on purpose or not, but it just feels like with her in the mix, all of these other experienced superheroes feel like a little bit more, I don't know, um, at ease or just a little bit more like they're having fun too. And I really enjoyed that Um, because, yeah, Nick Fury in this, like, he was really funny. He had some really funny lines. Kamala's family was hilarious in this, too. Um, And I just I really liked the whole, like, just the very different views in this movie that you see that Monica and Kamala have of Captain Marvel and their reasons why and sort of the story that they develop as to what's going on there I thought was really interesting and I enjoyed that more and just the general concept too of oh we all switch powers when we use them and things like that like that's just an interesting idea and they could have done a lot of cool stuff with it and they did do a lot of cool stuff with that I think and they didn't overdo it you know what I mean but you see this the the progression that they're making and learning how this actually works and stuff like that and learning how to work as a team and I really liked that aspect of it and it's just more colorful and it is definitely silly, <laughs> but for whatever reason, the silly just works um, and it doesn't take itself too seriously. It, it does have fun with it and it still tells a really good story, I think. And I, I just had a lot of fun with this one more than I've had with some of these um, superhero movies lately. And I, I, I appreciate that because yeah, it's always like, it's the end of the world and we have to save everybody and it's, or it's all over. And that's always the stakes lately. <laughs> and it does. Yeah. I, I like that. It's just like, Oh, it's just another adventure for my day type of thing instead. Like, I like that. I think that's a really 
good way to do this. And especially when you're adding in the mix, somebody who is not an everyday superhero, the way that Kamala, you know, she sort of is newer to this, right? So she's not going to have that experience. And so it's kind of like you're learning along with her in a way of, okay, what's it like to be a superhero? What do they do? How do I figure this out? And I liked that. I thought that was great. Um, yeah, I, I just really for, yeah, for the flaws that it had, like, I really just enjoyed this more than I have a lot of other Marvel movies and, or at least as of late. And, and I just think, I think that that does, it absolutely has to do with the dynamic of the three leads, but I do have to agree that, um, that Iman, what's her name? Iman Vellani. Um, I definitely think she was 100% the best thing about this movie. And that's saying something because Brie Larson is Brie Larson. You know what I mean? Like she's, she's great. She's always great. Even in Captain Marvel, like I'm still sort of kind of like, I didn't hate that movie nearly as much as a lot of other people did. I liked it just fine. Um, I like this better. I think she's better in this one, but yeah, it's kind of like, you know, I'm not the same person I was 30 years ago. So, you know, it's, it's like, I agree with your point, Sterling about, you know, she's, it's 30 years later, she's dealing with it. She's becoming a different person. She's growing, you know, like she's not going to be the same character she was in the first Captain Marvel movie. And I agree with that. And I think that's a really great way to look at it. Um, but yeah, I think, that um Iman Vellani is absolutely a gem <laughs> and like I'm just she's just this pure wholesome character that she does in this where yeah it's like she brings sort of like a hopefulness even in the midst of all of this crazy stuff going on that they're having to deal with and you see that even like she just so quickly wins over Nick Fury she quickly wins over Captain Marvel she just wins everybody over so fast because of just who she is as a character. And she's just very relatable. She's just very much a teenage girl. And I love it. I think she's so great. Um, yeah, just all of them together were just... I, I think it's my one of my favorite dynamics of superheroes that I've seen. I think they're just so great. So, yeah, it's it's one of those movies that is it as far as, like, the storytelling aspect. And as far as like all of these Marvel movies we've seen, is it the best one? No, but it's by no means the worst. It it's kind of, you know, I, I think because it leans more on the fun side of it, I prefer it over a lot because I miss when Marvel was about the fun <laughs> instead of just the dramatics and the emotions, which are great, but sometimes you just want a fun superhero movie a fun superhero movie that's good and not a bad one like we've seen in other instances. So this kind of hit the spot there for me. Recommendations and scores. Yep. Yep. Recommendations and score. Let's change it up again. I'll go first. I do recommend it. I think, I mean, if you were any sort of fan of the MCU, I don't see why you wouldn't like this. 
just in general. I mean, it's not the best Marvel movie ever made or anything like that, but I'll be damned if it wasn't one of the ones I prefer watching recently. I mean, especially over what? I mean, it's better than Quantum Mania. It's yeah. better than I think it's better than Multiverse of Madness. I mean, if you're going of all the movies after so after Endgame, let's just say after well, after Far From Home, I should say, because that's the end of phase three. Of all the phase four slash phase five phase five movies, I mean this is definitely up there to me. I I prefer it over Black Panther too. I'm not trying to say it's better. I'm not going to have that argument. I'm saying I prefer this over Black Panther 2. I'd rather watch this because I, I could rewatch this over and over again. Um, I think it's kind of up there with Guardians of the Galaxy 3, which I do think Guardians 3 is better overall because I think, you know, you get the the history with those characters. You get all this other stuff. But, you know... As like a weird replacement for Guardians. Like, as you know, because Guardians is ending, you know, and so now that you need a new space team, hey, I would not hate it if the Marvels was the new space team of the MCU. I think there's a lot of interesting stuff you can do with that. Uh, when you're going to like a strictly comedic MCU type of film, this is leaps and bounds better than Thor Love and Thunder. Just in almost every conceivable way. I mean, not every joke lands in this, but God, it felt more effortless than Thor Love and Thunder did. Thor Love and Thunder Thunder felt like they were just fighting and clawing to get every joke they could out of that script. This just kind of felt like they were just doing some jokes. You know, it felt way more at ease with what it was trying to do than, than Thor 4 did. I am going to recommend it. Like I said, I really did enjoy it. On a purely cinematic level, is it a top-tier Marvel film? No. I I do think it's it's up there, though, with the watchability of Marvel, though, of just some of those older Marvel films. The sheer watchability of this is just off the charts. I'm going to give this, and it feels weird. The score I'm about to give just feels so weird. I'm going to give this an, I'm going to give this an 81. Uh, 81 kittens just eating fucking crew members on a space station out of a hundred. Justin, what about you? Yeah, I think we're all probably going to wind up being in a similar camp. Like I recommend it too, um, and 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 really, just we all we just keep all saying the word fun, and that's really what it is. And I think that that's okay. You know, we don't always need to answer all the questions or get more, um, or find out about the timelines or and. and 
advance the overarching narrative and all that stuff. And I think that sometimes people get so hung up on that stuff that they just aren't having any fun when they watch these movies, you know, and that's ultimately what it's supposed to be like Marvel. The comic books are supposed to be fun. They're supposed to be just lighthearted. They're not always supposed to be like, you know, they can have a serious tone, but at the end of the day, this was supposed to be about you having fun. What I remember growing up is picking up a book and just enjoying reading it. And then life goes on. Like it doesn't have to (laughs) be the end all be all or this like, not every one of them needs to be a masterpiece or anything or nor should we expect them to be. So I really like that they dialed it back a little bit and kind of got away from kind of the seriousness of quantum mania and kind of some of that stuff and went, okay, let's just, let's just have some fun with this and let's, you know, let's just swing big on the comedy stuff. And, you know, if it lands, okay, great. And if it doesn't, Hey, we tried, you know, this is the mood and the tone that we wanted and this is what we want to do. And I think it was the right tone and the right kind of movie for this pairing specifically. So I think that they made a lot of good choices. And even though it doesn't do everything right, I agree, Heather, that it, that it, it, you forgive a lot of the things that it doesn't do right because what it does do right is so fun and entertaining and engaging and the performances you get. So it really more than makes up for any problems that it has. And, you know, I, I I had some ideas on maybe some things they could have done to kind of clean up the movie, you know, because that's what we're doing. We're critiquing. But ultimately, really, um, none of the things that were wrong with it stopped me from enjoying it. And I think that that's really the mark of any good film. There is no real, there is no perfect film but did you enjoy what you watched more than than the 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 flaws and the things that you didn't like about it and that ultimately is the mark of any movie and this movie succeeds more than it fails succeeds a lot more than it fails so i think that's the fair the fairest way to be about it so i'm going to go it's very surprising for you to give a higher score than I would give Sterling. This might be the first time in history you've given a Marvel movie a higher score than me. A Marvel movie, but yeah. I, but but I am a little lower than you. Um, I my score was uh, was seventy five. Um, hugs when you really need them, out of a hundred, which was a great scene. Heather, what about you? I did love that scene. Um, I, yeah, I definitely recommend it. It, I almost feel like Kamala Khan just single-handedly brought back the fun of Marvel. (laughs) Like anything that her character, that that character is in, I've loved. And I know I wasn't able to be on the episode where you guys discussed the Ms. Marvel series, but I just remember, um, giving my brief overview of it. And I was like, this is great. Like I loved the Ms. Marvel series. 
I thought it was amazing. I thought it was so much fun. It was a, a straight up a movie or a show for me. It was so good. Um, and it's kind of that. And it, it does have, and this is why it works better. I think than Thor love and thunder is because this one feels like it has a lot more heart behind it instead of just like, I want to throw out jokes because people loved Thor Ragnarok and how funny that was. So let's try to match that energy with this one, but not really having a, a focus, but just kind of, you know what I mean? Like, I feel like that's sort of why that one missed so much for me. And this one just has a lot more heart behind it and a lot more just really um, intentional character development that goes along with the fun that is in this movie. And yeah, I mean, there's very, there are sentimental moments and I understand what you mean earlier, Justin, when you talked about like, it goes so fast that like those sentimental moments don't hit quite as much as they should. I actually, for me, for the most part, they, they, they did the job for me, but um, that's not really saying much. It doesn't take much for me to get emotional. So, <laughs> but um, it, I just think that it it's just it is the rewatchability is definitely there for this one and um the soundtrack again was super great with this i i did really like the the song selections they chose for this movie and the action was good the dynamics are great and yeah silly but also just good and rewatchable and if I think about a superhero movie, this is kind of what I would want it to be. So I, I completely think that it really, I got out of it what I wanted. I'll say that much. So yeah, I do recommend it. I don't think there's a reason to not watch it. Um, so yeah, I'm going to give this, (laughs) I'm actually also going to be just slightly lower than Sterling. I'm going to just give it an 80, uh, planets where singing is your first language out of a hundred. What universe are we fucking living in that What's I like an MCU movie more than both of you? <laughs> what what has the happened? fuck world is this? Wow. That is this movie. That's the magic of this movie. <laughs> uh, that send- alone just gives it three extra points because that's the first time that's happened. <laughs> it's so weird. Uh, Cinescore on this official Cinescore is a 79. Spoilers? Yeah. Yeah. Spoilers. Did I do the recommendations and scores button? I think so. Yeah, you did. Okay. I just, I don't know when I hit that, I was like, I feel like I didn't. Um, I want to start this real quick by saying one thing and then I will let you guys go and then I'll come back at the end to say more. But I was listening to a podcast talk about this movie and they said something on there and it's been stuck in my head ever since and I can't shake it. And I want to do that to you guys before you talk. Um, so they were talking about the villain of this movie and they were talking about how it is kind of a little weird that ultimately the villains plan of this movie is the same plan as the bad guys in space balls of we just need resources. So we're just going to go suck them out of the planet to get the resources we need. 
And that's been stuck in my head ever since. Just the more I sit on it, the more I'm like, it is space balls. That's all that woman was doing is just running around and space balling all these planets. And I'm like, fuck. And like the the weird, the funny thing about it is like, she's like, oh, I'm going to go to this planet and get some air and I'm going to go to this planet and get some water. Why don't you just get that all from one planet? Why do you need to go to a different planet? To, like, was the was the air bad on the water planet? It seemed fine. Seemed like a very picturesque planet. I'm sure it had fine air. And how did the portals just suck the one resource out? How did the one portal just suck the air out, but the other portal sucked just the water out? Like, how does that work? I don't quite understand the mechanics of these jump portals and how they know what resource to steal. Especially when they were unstable jump portals. I don't understand. All right. Like I said, I'll come back towards the end. Heather, what about you? What are some spoiler thoughts you had about this movie? Yeah, I think that um, the... Let me see. I mean, and the thing is, too, like, I feel like there's not a whole lot of things to spoil that we don't really already kind of know is kind of the plot of it. But I will say that I I think that the especially the scene where they're when they're all getting together, trying to figure out how their powers work together and they're doing that whole thing. And she has the thing that she puts on them that's supposed to help with memories. I forget what that thing is called, but um but yeah, she uses that on all of them so that they could sort of try to figure out, um, you know, how to get to the villain again, right? And what her plan was and all this stuff. That was a really cool uh, way to show um, just sort of their investigation skills and just their their teamwork efforts, right? Because each of them had a different point of view and saw something different when they went there for when they switched out. And I really liked that where they were like, okay, you saw this and you saw this, let's put all this together. And I think that was a really great way to start off sort of their working togetherness, if you will. But I also like how that was sort of a way to um, kind of explore a little bit more of the backstory and the, why there's the tension between Captain Marvel and Monica. Um, I think you kind of know why, obviously, but to kind of see the memories of that and just showing that in the form of how they were using the memory thing. I liked that. I thought that was a really good way to do the exposition of it in a way, um, you know, without actually doing the exposition, you know, you're just kind of seeing it played out instead of, you know, it, it was a better choice than say, you know, Kamala going and saying, so what's going on with you guys? And then having to be like, well, this is what happened. Like it was just kind of a, a better, more creative way to sort of show why there was that and what actually technically happened to Monica's mom. Um, so I really enjoyed how they, I honestly, that was one of the more interesting aspects of the movie to me was exploring just the, the relationships between Monica and Captain Marvel and then Captain Marvel and Kamala. I think just the the dynamic there and sort of that underlying message that they sort of give you of, you know, I'm not just a superhero, like I'm an actual person, I'm a human being, you know, 
don't always just look up to me as this perfect person. And you see sort of a little bit of that pressure that Captain Marvel's feeling of living up to this person who's like, she's going to make it right. We promise she won't let you down. And, but also dealing with her own past and how she left people that she loved and wasn't there for them the way that she wanted to be. And there was actually like a little bit of a deeper story there that they explore enough, but they don't overdo it. Right. Like, I don't feel like they linger in it too long. Um, they didn't necessarily need it to be longer either. So I really just appreciated that they did just enough for you to understand it, but not feeling like they did too much or too little with it. And I think that that's kind of a rare thing, especially when it comes to Marvel these days, because there's so many backstories and so many elements that they try to throw into the Marvel movies with, you know, side characters or backstories or whatever that um, they just kind of towed that line pretty well I would say and you know I do feel like it it did move quickly and so the kind of the resolution part of that with them I think went a little faster than it probably should have because we had such a shorter movie to do that in but sort of a little bit to Sterling's point earlier of everything just kind of was natural here (laughs) like it was kind of like a natural resolution right like they talked about it They didn't have, they did kind of do their I'm sorry's, but they also, there was that natural segue of we're working together and we're going to just kind of make some jokes to show that we're cool because we need to get this done. And then naturally later on, the actual apology came. And I just liked how they did that because I feel like, you know, once, once you said that Sterling about the humor of this, I was like, I think that's just in general what this movie does. Like it's silly and goofy, but it feels natural. It feels like they're not trying too hard to be one thing or the other. They're just letting this movie be what it is. They're letting it be in its own space and do its own thing. And just like whatever happens in this movie just feels very organic. And that goes with the humor of it. That goes with the relationships and how they resolve things of it. And I just didn't, I guess, really necessarily expect that from this movie, Um, or just in general, because it's kind of hit or miss, honestly, with some of that with Marvel lately, more so than earlier Marvel, I would say. But, um, I just appreciated that. I thought that was really well done. Um, and I I loved the moments when the the three of them were kind of being silly and having fun together. Kind of like what Sterling mentioned with the, they're learning their powers and they're on the ship and they're testing it and they're, you know, the montage of them going through it and learning the stuff was really fun and practicing. But also the, (laughs) the part when they're on the singing planet, if that felt so random and out of nowhere that I wasn't sure how to feel about that at first, because I'm like, what is this? But somehow they pulled it off. Somehow it just worked. I don't know why. I don't know how, but it just worked. And like, I think that some of the funniest, like subtle moments of the movie were during that scene, because when they come in and they're like, oh, you have to like sing and dance for them to understand you. And you're just like, that's such an interesting and weird concept. But then like you see like Kamala is fully embracing that. And then Monica's is kind of like, eh, I don't know about this. And then. Captain Marvel fully knows it and she's not doing anything like just very much their reactions to that scenario was totally in character with each of them. And I thought that was like a very nice, subtle way to keep with their characters and what they would actually do. And I just thought it was funny because Kamala was just like 
having the time of her life and just being a kid and just like, yeah, why is nobody else dancing? And it was just so like funny to me because I'm like, yeah, that's absolutely how that would go down in a real situation with a teenage girl on this planet. So I just appreciated that. And then when, when Captain Marvel is like dancing with the prince and they're singing and then you just cut to Monica and Kamala on the side with drinks and like, they're just kind of dancing with themselves. And it was so funny to me. And I don't know why I loved that so much, but it was just because their chemistry, all three of them was so like, you feel like they were just BFFs, you know, it just worked when, when they were all together on screen. So, um, and there wasn't a, a situation where two of the dynamics was better than the other two or whatever, like all three of them had very equally great chemistry with each other. And I think that's rare, but I think it was important that that happened because this movie is about three different main characters in a way. So I really think they did that well too. Um, I also thought that Kamala's family was really funny in this. Um, they, they were funny in the show too, but like, I, I don't know. I don't remember Kamala's brother being that funny, but man, he was really funny in this. Like he had just like these one liners that just killed me. Like when he was with uh, his dad and they were talking to the guy that works with Monica and, and they're like, Oh, how old are you? And he's like, I'm 306 or something like that. <laughs> and then he just like looks at his dad and he goes, Oh, so you guys are the same age. Like just stuff like that was really funny to me and just very subtle sarcastic humor that I enjoyed or just all of his quips to his sister about like, you can't leave me with this family. Like you're not leaving me with these two by myself. Like we can't do that. And then him with the remote, like trying to mute his mom, who's like yelling at him at the end. Like he was just really funny. And I don't remember if he was like that in the show or if they kind of added that for this movie, but I was here for it, man. Like they need to do more of that with him. He just, it felt like a family. It felt like a real family just being stupid with each other. So I, I just really like that. And they were really more supporting characters, but it just added to the fun of the movie for me to have supporting characters that that was also sort of what was going on with them. And yeah. And also <laughs> Nick Fury, just being Nick Fury all over the place, like <laughs> just also trying to get the mission done, but I think understanding his surroundings and sort of playing into it, which is why he was more fun in this movie and more silly because his surroundings were that way. It felt like, you know, everybody he came in contact with was a little bit goofy or funny and he just kind of played into it. You know, he just kind of soaked up their energy and just went along with it. You know, when he's like uh, with the cats and all of his, <laughs> all of his cats who, and all the little kittens that he was playing with and, yeah, it just, everything just worked as far as the dynamics between the people. And um, and that's why it really, unfortunately, didn't need a villain. Like, it just, it, it could have just been, I don't know, something else or just a villain that you get a little bit more from her. I mean, they try to make the connection of her with Captain Marvel. What did her, what you call her, the Annihilator or something like that? Um yeah, and, like, yeah. and yeah, like you, you see, you understand like her connection to that, why she hates her and wants to destroy everything or whatever, but, um, they don't really dive into it. Like, and that is really the unfortunate thing about this movie is because kind of like what we've talked about before, 
Marvel has done some really great villains at different points. They've had some really excellent villains. Um, you know, you got Thanos, you've got um, Killmonger, um, you know, you've got, what was the Michael Keaton's character? The Hawk or something? The Vulture? The Vulture, yeah. Vulture. <laughs> that guy. Like, those are, for me, the top three villains that we've had so far. I mean, even the guy, uh, the one from Guardians uh, 3, like, he was a good villain. He was a really good villain. And they've just, they've they've done so good at creating villains with good motives, but also just, like, compelling villains. And I just feel like you go from that back down to this, where it just felt like a very side note or footnote of the entire movie was a little bit jarring. You know what I mean? Like, I just feel like they went backwards in the progression of how well they were doing their villains. And so I did definitely expect more from that aspect, kind of like what you guys said, because yeah, I mean, she, she was pulling off the villainy vibes, you know, she was good with that. Like it wasn't like she was doing a bad performance, um, but again, that also sort of resolved a little too quickly because it was like, she was mad and upset. And then it's like, how about we compromise? And we agree to save Hala. And then she's like, okay, all good. We're good now. Like that was weird. <laughs> Cause it was a little bit like you've been holding on to this anger for so long that you've just vowed to destroy everything dealing with Captain Marvel. And then suddenly it's like, all right, we're good then fine. Like <laughs> on her deathbed and essentially, well, you know, there's that. Well, it, it, that that whole in sequence is like rife with weird inconsistencies with everything else that's going on. Because like right after that, like Captain Marvel flies through a dying star <laughs> and reignites yeah. it. And mm-hmm. I'm like, but she can get in a fist fight with this other woman and it'd be a struggle. Right. Yeah. It's weird. Like this movie is fine up until like the last like three minutes of the actual conflict. And then they just go and do whatever. (laughs) We've told the story we wanted to tell here. Just finish it how you want. Like, (laughs) let's just wrap it up. Right. Yeah. Yeah. We got one day left to film guys. Just do your thing or something. like (laughs) Like the whole, like the whole thing with the villain. Then like I said, Captain Marvel doing that. And the other thing I'll still say for my, my, my part, it's just like, they really did. It's like they weirdly threw out the movie for three minutes and then they kind of come back to it again. It's like they throw the movie out for three minutes and then they, the end of the actual movie kind of comes back to how the rest of the movie felt. And it's just like, why? Like, I know you said, you know, we don't give a fuck what this villain is, but like you weirdly just kind of said, fuck it to your whole movie for three minutes. It's very weird. <laughs> yeah. I I mean, And the whole thing, too, with like with Monica, where she's like, you know, I'm going to have to go in from the other side to push this thing back together. Like it was kind of obvious that she was expecting to sacrifice herself. I feel like just the, the last minute, like, what are you doing? And it's like, I feel like that was coming. And I feel like that was sort of in a way understood. But you know, you had to have the dramatic effect, I guess. I don't know. Or the person that you feel is like, you know, the person that you've grown to be fond of that's going to die in in a sense. But, you know, it, it just, I didn't think that was, it. I didn't think it was necessary to do that. But also like that also felt a little bit weirdly rushed 
because it was like, she's like, no, don't do it. And then she's like, I always knew that I was going to have to not come back. Like, <laughs> okay. Like that was very anticlimactic for this very emotional moment that we're trying to build right here. Well, but I, I like the way you phrased that though, Heather, because it's like, yeah, we all knew that. We know yeah. what this scene is. We've seen this <laughs> yeah. scene 90 billion times in movies. We know yeah. the hero sacrifice scene when we see it. Right. It's it's not <laughs> subtle. It's a very yeah. obvious scene when it's going to happen. And yeah. I, th- I think it was funny that the only person in the MCU universe and in our universe that did not know that scene was <laughs> happening was Carol Danvers. Right. <laughs> yeah. Somehow she was the one surprised when I'm like, you fought in the in the Infinity War. You fought in all, and you know what this is <laughs> like. But and, and it was yeah, that was just odd to me because I was even thinking as that scene was happening, I was like, Carol's a lot more agreeable to this than I would expect her to be, considering she doesn't like probably want to lose her the way that she lost her mom. So it just to me, I was like, hmm, this is an odd way for her to react. And then you realize that she's like, wait, what is she doing? And like she just, it didn't register for her that that was going to be what this was, you know, well, especially when she said, I have to go on the other side to do it. Like, I feel like well, that was kind of obvious. You know what I mean? Well, it's really also funny now that you put it in another perspective with the infinity war. She watched Tony Stark do it. Right. Yeah. She watched it happen. She just stood there and watched because she is a direct part of that scene. Yeah. Because yeah. her and Thanos are fighting with the gauntlet and then it's like, a, oh, wait, Tony's got the gems. Like she is directly yeah. like she is four <laughs> feet away from mm-hmm. Tony Stark doing that. Yeah. She has literally the best seats in the house for the hero sacrifice of Tony Stark outside of Thanos. Right. And she just has no clue. Yeah. That Monica's doing that. No PTSD of anything with this <laughs> like just, when it was yeah just not clued in at all she she does not sit there long and goes huh this is weirdly familiar from that thing that happened about eight months ago right yeah yeah i mean and the thing is like even i mean i feel like kamala was sad but you didn't feel like she was necessarily surprised by it the way that carol was yeah you know what I mean? she saw it coming yeah she knew what that meant you know what i mean but yeah, I don't know. I just thought that was an interesting way to do that because, and I really like Monica Rambo is a great character. And I, I just, I really like what uh, Tiana Paris does with her. And I was bummed out because I was like, man, I don't want her to have died. Like she's such a great addition. And I feel like she just got here in a sense. And then obviously you see that, you know, she's going to be returning in some way in the future. Who knows when that is, but you know, it was just kind of like <laughs> weird to me that that was like a surprise to Carol. Um, but I don't know. Um, but apart from that, you know, I, I do again, like the dynamics and the actual uh, the other moments in it that were actually sentimental that worked like what you kind of referred to Jasmine with the hug scene where, you know, they just go over the memories of her mom and she didn't, you know, Kamala did not need to say anything. She just kind of went over and hugged her and that was it. And then kind of did a group hug. And it's one of those where she is sort of like that light for them because they wouldn't have done that on their own, but she's just like, come on guys, we're going to do it. And they just go along and they're like, okay, fine. It was good that we did this. And 
So I, I thought that was actually a really great scene and a really great moment because it felt very sincere and you did feel kind of the emotions of that, of sometimes you're like, you just have that friend and you don't need to say anything. You just need to be there and that's it, you know? And I think that that was very fitting for these three characters, right? So I did actually think they were going to do a moment of um, Kamala realizing how much of not a good person Captain Marvel was and go on an arc of why were you my hero for so long? But I'm really glad they didn't do that because it was kind of so shortly after her and Monica having their conversation that she's like, listen, I'm sorry. I don't want to be like that, whatever. So I'm glad they didn't go down that route because I really thought that's what they were kind of building up to for a minute. And I just don't think the movie would have worked as well if there was that weird piece of her not being a fan of Captain Marvel anymore. Like the dynamic would have been ruined at that point. So I'm really glad they didn't really do that part of it. So yeah. Um, and then my only other thing too, that kind of had that was questioning um, towards the end scene was when, um, you know, Carol pushes what's her name? Darbin away. And like, she has the cuffs and everything. I didn't realize that Kamala could use her powers without the cuff. And I know she used it to kind of do the big hand to bring them back in um, after that whole thing happened. So I think that just kind of threw me off and I was confused because I just thought that she could only use her powers with her bracelet on. So I wasn't sure if that was on purpose or if I was just misunderstanding her powers, but that was my only other bit of, I didn't understand why this happened in this like final scene or battle, if you will. But other than that, I liked everything else. Um, <laughs> like I just, you know, going back to that, that's kind of a strictly comic book thing. It's because they did declare her a mutant at the end of Miss Marvel. The argument would be that putting on, I think they call them quantum bands in this. They're the fucking mega bands from fucking Captain Marvel, the comics, whatever. Um, but her putting that on just kind of unlocked her latent mutant ability that she genetically okay. more or less had. Yeah. Um, so it, you know, whether or not that that's a continuity error in this movie, that's a quick fix. It just unlocked her ability. It's not that it yeah. was required for it. That's yeah. That's just such a comic book thing. They do that all the time. They did that to Wolverine when they removed the adamantium and then they were like, oh, look, he's got bone claws because canonically speaking, up until whenever Magneto ripped the adamantium off Wolverine's skeleton, canonically speaking, it was said that he had adamantium claws put in him that he could eject out. And mm. then whenever the, the metal was removed and he had bone claws, they were like, oh, he always had the claws. They just, okay. you know, they retcon shit whenever they need. It's that type of thing that, like, mm -hmm. somebody fucked up and did something and they went, well, wait, that doesn't work. So it was just this. And they go, oh, okay. Mm. Yeah, and you're right. I mean, it wasn't like a make or break thing. It was just more of like, did I misremember something? Or was it something that was a, an error on their part? But it does make sense when you say it like that. It was just one of those that I couldn't remember if they really talked about that or not from the show. And that's the thing is they probably never conceived of saying anything about it in the show. And mm -hmm. they probably didn't even realize they did that in this. It's just if they ever need to later, they'll just comic book it real quick. 
Yeah. And just say, nah, it unlocked it, but you don't need it. And then it's mm-hmm. fine. So. Yeah. Um, I also did like the, it was kind of dumb, but it kind of worked with uh, when the, when Darbin realizes that she has the other bangle and she's like, where'd you get that? She's like, from my grandma in the mail. Like, <laughs> I don't know why. I just <laughs> like the way that she delivered that line. <laughs> it was just really funny to me, but um but yeah, I everything else other than kind of like that final battle and sort of the resolve of it all, because that probably was, I think, the biggest problem the movie had as far as throughout the, the runtime of it. Um, but yeah, everything else that they did really, really just worked well. You know, um, I'm curious if that whole thing about at the end when Carol says, oh, I don't have the key for this plane. Um and Monica has or whatever. I wonder if that's going to play into something later, but, or it could just be like a, you know, they'll between each other when she comes back. Cause she's coming back, you know, like, Oh, I kept it here for you or whatever. But anyway, um, I hope it doesn't <laughs> just because that is such a weird scene to carry over to something else. Be like, you got them playing keys. Yeah. <laughs> okay. That's a weird <laughs> thing to carry over as a plot point, but. I mean, unless it's something that's going to be like, we need this plane to do something with a mission that happens. So I don't know, but who knows? I I hope that never happens because what (laughs) are they doing where they need that plane? They've got Quinjets, but they need like a little Cessna little bitch plane. (laughs) I don't know. Plan B. I don't know. I'm just saying like, I wonder if that was leading up to something or if it was just sort of to be like, we still have hope that Monica's alive. I'm I sure that's probably what that. it was. I yeah. think it's just a, you know, just that a scene to show that they both have hope that Monica will come. Yeah. Back. Right. Uh, Justin, Which what works. about you? What are okay. your spoiler thoughts about this? What well, are you not done? I thought you said you were done. No, that's it. Yeah. Okay. Justin. Yes. You, what are your spoilery thoughts about this movie? Yeah, so I think that just from the outset, um, they just really, you could just tell that most of the attention was with the, was with the dynamic of our three characters. That seemed to be what the writer and the director and the actors really wanted you know that that seemed to be the main objective that they wanted and all of that is so superbly written like just even just down to the whole thing of like the fact that carol is the the powerful one you know she has all this power but then you know there was kind of this story about how her use of power kind of created this villain situation. And then you had Kamala Khan over here and she was kind of like the heart of those three, but there was this challenge of, will that heart kind of, will that see through and kind of, you know, influence these people to become more of a team. And then Monica was definitely like the intelligence. You know what I mean? She was the smart one. She was the brilliant one. And everything was very, very practical, very scientific and everything like that. 
But I think that with her, she was kind of trying to hold in these emotions about Carol. So that was the challenge for her was, you know, was she going to be able to sort of um, deal with some of those emotions and forgive and then sort of kind of embrace the emotional part of her along to go with the intelligence. So with these three characters, there was sort of something that each of them had to do in order for this dynamic to work. And so the movie really works with our characters showcasing that. So like that hug scene that, that, that we were talking about earlier is great because in that you kind of saw all of it, you know, you, you saw Carol kind of feeling powerless because of how, um, you know, powerless in that moment because of what she had done and feeling um, bad about her actions and everything. And then you saw Monica kind of helpless in that moment because this is not something that, you know, that's not her wheelhouse. Her wheelhouse is talking about the science and the practicality and all that stuff. So that, that moment, she was like kind of lost in that moment too. And then it was Kamala Khan who just hugs and just is there and is there to know that, you know, she, you could tell that she was like the heart of that. And right there, she used it. And then, you know, um, Monica's just still kind of standing there in that moment. And Kamala's like, come here, you know, let's hug her together. Let's show her some support together. And, And I love when a movie has different characters and in one scene it can encapsulate exactly what everybody's dynamic is, what everybody's struggle is. Like that scene is like super pivotal because it really just encapsulates like the entire struggle of these three people and and ultimately what they're going to have to do in order to win. It was all like in that scene. So I just thought that that was just a wonderful scene. Um, Like, I love the decision to have Kamala Khan's family in this because rather than trying to introduce new side characters and them be funny and we try to care for them and all that stuff, you know, that's what we kind of got in quantum mania. That's what we kind of got in love and thunder. You know, we've, we're going to these places and there are all these kind of side characters and it's like, Oh, look, you know, look, look at the, the, the yelling unicorn horse or whatever, you know, like they would have these little dynamics and things and gags and you're supposed to care about that. I like how this sort of just said, let's just put them in the movie, you know, and, and have scenes with them. And even though they were side characters in this, we already knew them. We already knew their dynamic and we already knew how funny they were. So, no need to bring in all these new people. Uh, just capitalize on what you've already built and what you've already had. And I think that that was such a smart decision. Like I think about the Ant-Man movie and it kind of sucked that we didn't have those side characters, you know, T.I. and um, oh boy, that, that, that always Michael tells. Pena. Yeah. Michael Pena Lewis, and them. His character name of the show. 
or in the movie. Yes. Yes. Louise, right? Or yeah, something it, like that. Yeah, Lou, I think it's Louise. But yeah, Michael P and them, like that movie was really lacking because those guys weren't there. You know what I mean? It sucked that they were not there. And so we had, you know, Holes thing and, you know, all these other side characters that you really just, you know, it couldn't get those to work. So I'm glad here we were just like, let's just, you know, let's just bring Kamala's family over to this and and we can have some funny stuff with them interacting with Nick Fury with them kind of being caught in the middle of this fight scene. And one minute it's Carol is there and she's trying to protect them. Then the next minute, all of a sudden um, Kamala's back there. She's like, I'm sorry, Bob, you know, I'm sorry, Bob, I'm sorry, dad, you know, and all this craziness is happening. So man, that was just such a great decision that we didn't need to add all these extra things and all these extra characters in sort of this throwaway thing. I love that they were in this. And I think that they really helped because when it took breaks and we were with Samuel L. Jackson, you were still having fun because the interactions he was having with the family were funs too. So I just thought that all of that, all of those dynamics work so incredibly well. And and what I meant um, earlier when we were talking and I was talking about it moving so fast that we couldn't have any emotional a lot of that is what where that was coming from was with the villain and, and that because like what I loved about the dynamics with Monica and Carol and all of them is that they were doing a lot of showing you and not telling you kind of what you were talking about, Heather, where they got the uh, into those mind machines from the first Captain Marvel and they're, you know, going logging through their memories and stuff and you're getting a lot of exposition, but you're seeing it, you know, you're seeing what they went through. You're seeing what happened with Monica's mom and, you know, you're seeing a lot of these things, but it felt like when we got to Darben and that story, we saw one thing, you know, we saw Carol destroying the central intelligence or the supreme intelligence. Yeah. The supreme intelligence and everything. And then her kind of in the background going, oh, no, my people are suffering. But what we needed was we needed to understand the suffering. We needed to see her growing up with these people and them barely struggling to survive. And, you know, you you needed to see the rise of this woman to the leader of well, that Cree Civil the, War that they mentioned 97 times and you didn't get a single scene of. Yeah, you didn't get a single scene of that. We needed to see some of that. We needed to see her rise to power because this just made her feel like like a, a wish version, just a female swap of Ronan the Accuser. Like, I, I, I imagine like if Ronan was in a fighting game and it was like, do you want to play the male version of him, or do you want to play the female version of him? That would be the palette swap. You know, that, that would just be, or, or like if, uh, 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 or like if you go to a con and a chick is like, I'm going to be the, I'm going to do a, you know, a version of Ronan. And that's what you would get. That's what it felt like. It felt like somebody cosplaying as Ronan because we didn't do enough with her story. So like, 
that's what the movie needed. And then I think how they sort of kind of made it a mystery ish thing, kind of where Carol wasn't telling them what she did because she, she felt so bad about it and everything like that. So I get that why they felt like maybe we're not going to reveal that until later in the movie. But being that they didn't spend enough time with the villain, I almost wish that maybe the movie had started that way, or maybe we had just seen that already. Like I I wish that wasn't a mystery that Carol was withholding. I kind of wish we had just saw that, you know, and then, and use that to kind of show um, Dar Ben's rise to power and what motivated her and things like that. I, I I just think the movie would have been better for it, but I feel like because it you know it it seemed like it was a real priority for this to be an hour and forty five minutes. It was like they were like, we will not have a over two. This will not be over two hours. Um, we don't give a so damn like, what we cut out of this movie. It will not be. Yeah. Yeah, we will not do it. We are just not going to do it. We will so, make it five minutes shorter than the Incredible Hulk, no matter what it takes. <laughs> no matter what, we are going to do it. And sorry, Darban, but you are getting you're you're, you're going to a lot of your stuff is on the ch- cutting room floor. And like, I, I, but but I think that that's what it needed for that character. You know, you needed those minutes so that we could care a little more about that. Um, so, but, but I don't know, maybe the movie was like, look, it's gotta be an hour 45. You got to pick what you want. Do you want, <laughs> you know, do, do you want to do more with this villain or do you want to do more with Carol, Kamala Khan and Monica and maybe, and they chose the three of them, which ultimately, it, you know, if you have to choose one or the other, okay, like, all right, cool. You know, we all said we liked the movie still. So maybe you did make the right sacrifice, but, you know, looking back, you just wish um, that stuff had been a little stronger. But besides that, man, I was really, really just enjoying this, whether it was the fight scenes, even when it took those big swings. Because if you ask me, like, especially when you compare the first Marvel movie to this one or Captain Marvel movie to this one, like, Putting crew members in Flurkins and them traveling, you know, to safety, and then th- these Flurkins basically like up chucking these crew members. That's a big swing, I think, for this movie. That's a scene where you run the risk of just completely taking people out of it. Like, what the fuck are we doing? You know, well, th- that's a. With go, the, yeah, I, I just want to talk about the timing of the scene too, because it's right before the final battle. Yeah, like, yeah. Not on top of the fact that it's a crazy fucking scene. You exactly. You're throwing that in before the climax of the movie. You do the big. Oh no, we lost that. You know the one battle. You know leading to the climax which is typically the downturn of the movie before it swings back up to end it. And you interrupt that with a weird cat chase scene, essentially just (laughs) right in the middle of that. That to me was the, like the biggest swing of all of it, not even completely the scene, which I agree 
is a huge swing, but then also kind of breaking the rules of storytelling with yeah. where you put it. Yeah. The, the, they, they really went for that thing. So even though, and, and so there's a part of me that was like, that was like, wow, we're really doing this because the, that's just not been attempted. It's kind of like what you're saying that that hasn't been attempted before in these movies. And uh, well, they don't attempt that in just a lot of movies, period. So it felt like out of place. It felt a, a little, un- I'm not going to say wrong. It just felt uncomfortable. But as it's going and they're doing the montage and the music and everything, you just couldn't help but laugh and kind of smile at it. And it just sort of wins you over, even though it was such a huge risk. But, you know, it, it won me over in the end. And, and I think that the the other swing, that was the biggest swing, was that, because of where it was. And then the planet with everybody singing, to me, felt like another swing. Not, not so much because, you know, we've been introduced to other planets and other timelines where things are animated or you know, and everything everywhere all at once, you know, you're a stone in a universe. It's not like this is the most outlandish thing people are singing, but I think for Captain Marvel to be the one doing it and it's like, yeah, so I just got to have this marriage over here and, um, you know, it's kind of, of, of convenience and yeah, so you got to sing here. And then he starts talking regular and she's like, oh yeah, he's bilingual you know, I would have never thought that something like that would be in a in Captain in a Captain Marvel film. You know, maybe Guardians. I I would almost think that that would be a scene in Guardians or Thor before it was in here. But so to so to me that was another big swing. But again, it won me over. And it was kind of to what you were alluded to earlier, Heather, with seeing how the different characters were reacting was great. You know, Villani and um, and, and and Paris were great in those scenes. You know, they were really great just interacting and being weirded out like this is weird, but somewhat embracing it and then kind of pretending to be a part of it, but still just like. I can't believe Carol is doing all of this right now. You know, there was a lot going on there, but it worked. You know, it wound up working because they didn't let it be so stupid and out of place that it took you out of the movie. They kind of rolled with it and just were their characters in that moment. So it just felt like even though it was a big swing, those scenes wind up feeling like they belonged and it didn't just take you completely out of the movie. And then I think when my, um, my walls came down and I just allowed the movie to movie, then you were just having fun. You know what I mean? And at the end of the day, that's what it's all about. Like I I think, and I think that's going to be a challenge for some people you know, a lot of people might be tempted to put up the Marvel walls with this and like, you know, why is it not serious enough? 
Why are we, you know, why are we traveling cats? Why are we? And I think if you come in with all those walls and you put all those walls up and you expect this to be way more serious and stuff, you're not going to have a good time. You got to put the walls down and just have a good time, man. I think that that's the the magic of this and why I enjoyed it so much. Um, And yeah, I think that at the end, whenever Monica makes the sacrifice, you know, you you just kind of knew that she wasn't going to die. You knew that that wasn't the end of her. You knew that it wasn't going to um, wind up being anything like that. And I immediately thought, okay, this is an opportunity to show someone or something we haven't seen. Sorry. But I knew that that's probably where that was going. This is going to be an opportunity to show someone that we haven't seen. Um, but when she woke up, but, but I'll, but I will at least admit the way they did it was a nice surprise. Like when she woke up and she's looking at her mom, but it's not her mom. It's one of the X-Men. And I cannot remember the name of that X-Man. Well, no, but no, I know it's, that's it's, that version of that character is binary. That's right. That's a, it's another Captain Marvel, right? Yeah. Yeah, that that's what it is. It's another Captain Marvel. And I guess we had seen a version of that. Um, was we, it in Multiverse of Madness? Yeah, we saw her as Captain Marvel, straight up as Captain Marvel yeah, she in was Multiverse. Cap- yes, that's right. She was Captain Marvel there. So here she's binary. See, I couldn't remember. I was like, I know I know who this character is. That's what it was. Another, Yeah, the other Captain Marvel. So you see her. And it's like, okay, that's cool, you know, and, and you and you know that that's not her mom. And but man, Tiana played that perfectly when she woke up and she was like, mom, and she was all emotional and all this stuff. And I'm like, okay, this is kind of cool, but is it going to end this way? And then, you know, you hear somebody talking and then they pan over and it's beast. And I was like, oh, shit, beast. You know, they kind of caught me off guard with that. I, I was like. Okay, you know, straight up Mr. Blue himself. So, you know, that was kind of cool. And and it's kind of cool that we're getting some of these X-Men tidbits. It kind of builds some anticipation for X-Men, which, I mean, the way these movies have been going with the hit or misses, I hope that the X-Men is not a miss. I hope that they do this right and it's done well and i hope we don't wind up missing with the the x-men and it seems like an appropriate tie-in because we're fresh off of miss marvel and discovering she's a mutant so it it seems like this is the natural progression so as exciting as that is it's like okay but i'm telling you what i'm more excited about whenever um kamala khan goes and visits Kate Bishop, man, I'm more excited for that. Like Kate Bishop and Kamala Khan together. Yes. Doing some shit. I want to see it. And kind of starting off some young Avengers stuff. That could really wind up being good. That could be the thing. Nobody is like, that could be like the thing they're going to do that. I don't think will be as anticipated as like the X-Men. 
But dude, that could wind up being more enjoyable than the X-Men is that, you know, that dynamic because you could have Kay Bishop in there. You're going to have um, Kamala Khan in there. Um, um, well, that that could be that could be this like series of the movies, the the King series of the multiverse era of the MCU. That could be their version of the Guardians of the Galaxy. Yeah, that no one's fucking clamoring for it, but it just shows up and fucking works and wrecks. Um, like I. Yeah, so the other some of the other young Avengers is it's not Isaiah Bradley, it's his grandson. So Isaiah that's the original Captain America, the black Captain America. His grandson yeah. is the patriot in the comics on the Young Avengers. Uh the, I don't think they do the Hulkling, which is called the Hulkling and it's a reference to the Hulk, but he's actually a Cree. Um but they could do the uh what's his name? Scar or Scar or whatever from She-Hulk, the Hulk's son. They could put yep. him on the Young yep. Avengers. You would also have, what is it, Speed and Wicca or Wiccan, which are Wanda's two kids yep. that they've Wanda's. introduced. That would be some Young Avengers. You theoretically could also just throw what's-her-name, even though she's probably going to be in the Thunderbolts, uh, Yelena. Yeah. You could throw her on there, too. I hope she interacts with them because my goodness man i just know she's got great chemistry with kate bishop yeah Yeah. i would love that scene so much yeah Um, yes i i gotta get a scene with those three like i gotta get something with that for sure you also could maybe throw in echo yep as another type of hero from this um you know there's like oh and also uh um, Cassie Lang, um, Ant-Man's daughter. Oh yeah. Oh, Ant-Man's yeah. daughter. Yep. She'll be in it for sure. And she was, and I liked her. Yeah. I didn't dislike her. She was all right. She was cool. The only she good cool. new character in that movie outside of King. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Every other new so character like, was pointless in that. She was the only new thing that did a damn thing in that movie. Yeah. So. Also, so Eli like a, Bradley, I think is the name you were looking for. Uh, and we got a glimpse of him in uh, Captain or Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Also, the the new Falcon could be in it. So the so not Falcon Captain America, but that Air Force guy that he was interacting with in Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Yes, Taurus, yes, him. He Taurus, he's yep. the new Falcon in the comics. So make him a Falcon and throw him on the team. Yeah. So like when I whenever she came in there and was talking to Kate Bishop, I was like, oh man, dude, those two together, that should be really, really good. That'd like be an I don't awesome know how, Yeah, I don't know how that's not gonna be good. I hope that there's a mini series of them two together trying to recruit and go around and Maybe there's some something that they're trying to do, something that they're trying to uh, solve. Got, but it's also them going around recruiting. I've got an idea I for you. Gotta Justin. have it. Gotta have it. I got an idea for you. A YouTube series yeah. with them, or just like an online series, a web series, fifteen minute episodes, and each one is Kate Bishop and Miss Marvel getting coffee with one of these other people to try to convince them to join the Young Avengers. <laughs> 
Yes, that would be amazing. That'd be tight. That'd be tight. Just that type of thing. Like, you know, yep. just like a little series of that. Or even just 15 minute web series of them just them, their characters getting coffee. Just constantly, just them getting coffee. Like, and talking about shit. That would be fun too. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that, 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 when I saw that, I was like, just the idea of that dynamic really, really excited me. I was like, man, that could be, that, that's a home run. That could be a home run waiting to happen. And like I said, even though I know I should be more excited about X-Men, I walked away more excited about that just because I know the acting's going to be on point. I know that those dynamics are going to be great. I love Kamala Khan now, and I fell in love with the Kate Bishop character during that Hawkeye series. So I just don't know how that can't be good. I just, I just think that is gold waiting. They've got gold there and put in, in potential, you know, I think it's because they did the smart thing of having her go to Kate Bishop. You know what I mean? I think that that was the smartest move about it because they have a similar dynamic that would be fun. Yeah. You know, so she's rolling up on like the Hulk's son. That might be a little weird, you know, like, but her and it, it being Kate Bishop and it becomes this new intriguing, like, I want to see that. Oh, you could also throw, what's her name? America Chavez from. Oh yeah. As just another person, you know, um, but like just, that would be, you know, that was the, I think the smartest move about it. And I think the thing that adds excitement, cause these are two newish characters. They debuted on Marvel TV shows and you know, so it adds some new stuff to where you're getting, yeah, an X-Men character with the beast, but you also have a feeling that the Kelsey grammar beast isn't going to end up in the MCU. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's a nice little nod to things, but I think when the X-Men ultimately get brought into the MCU, I doubt Kelsey Grammer's going to be B still, you know, like, yeah, you know, so while it's a fun little thing, it's not, I don't feel like it's ultimately the thing where Kate Bishop and uh, Kamala Khan could be a thing in the, in the Marvel universe. So, oh, and you could also have Thor's little daughter. Oh yeah. Yeah. You could have her be a little, a little, a little Thor, which is even funnier if she's still a small child. Because she just comes in wrecking <laughs> right. everybody as a small child. Man, yeah, just a small child, just wrecking, dude. Uh, just lightning everyone. Anything but else, yeah, Justin? That, yeah. No, that was it, man. I just wanted to talk about my excitement for that, but no, that was it for me. Um, some of the things I'll touch on with this real quick is uh. The planet where they go singing. I I think they could have added 10 more minutes to that. Had them actually discussing things with that guy. They just went, oh, we're here. We sang a song. Let's get some clothes and fight. That's it. They didn't even talk to the guy about nothing. They didn't show nothing. They just rolled up going, yep, we're going to sing a song. We're going to put some new clothes on. And then we're going to battle. Like you could tell me there couldn't be more, but going back to what you were saying though, with that, Justin, a plus joke though, 
when they do that whole thing and then he just starts speaking and they're like, wait, he can speak. And he's like, oh, he's bilingual. A plus joke. Yeah. I laughed. Love that joke. And I was trying not to enjoy the scene because I was like, man, this is out of nowhere. This is so weird. And then that happened. And, it, and worked. it got me. They got it worked. me. It yeah. just, it was, it was too, it was too much. And I was like, all right, movie, you know what? I'm, I'm here, you know? Um, but yeah, I, I, I did dig that, but I, I just, I wanted more. I wanted to see Kamala and Monica have to sing. You know what I mean? Like, I think it would have been a slightly funnier if after they did that whole song and dance number, those two like start singing to the prince thinking that's what they have to do. Like they do this whole thing where they're singing, singing, singing. And he just goes, yeah, she just told me in her song. I got it. Like, we're good. Like, you know, we're good. And then they'd be like, wait, you can just speak. Do that whole like thing where somebody speaks to somebody like in broke, you know, in like the broken foreign language shit, just for them to say something back in English. And they go, fuck, you speak English? Yeah. You know, do something like that with it, but it's, it's song. You know, I think that that would have been a little funnier and it would have just added a little more to it. Um, I think it would have been great if, 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 if Kamala was just sitting there going, you have to tell me everything about why you got to like, you married Captain Marvel, you know, like fanboy on him. Cause that's Captain Marvel's husband. So see her fanboy on that guy a little that bit. That would be him, funny. Like having like telling the story and, and Captain Marvel being like, just stop it. Why we, we don't need to talk about this. And he's like, you know, and, she, and then Kamala's like, no, there's nothing more important than us talking about this right now. And and then the, the prince yep. kind of just indulging that, you know, because he thinks it's, you know, he thinks it's funny that this little girl looks up to her so much. And like, you know what I mean? Just indulging it, like give them something, give that character more to do. Because he does nothing and then fights a battle and then you never see him again. And we'll probably never see him again in the entirety of the MCU. <laughs> like he's gone forever. Give the guy more than five lines of dialogue. You know? Uh, and then when he... So then, like, go to the end of the movie, like... Hey, I was disappointed that, of course, when she ripped that hole in the universe, of course, it has to be uh, a rip in space-time that goes to another reality. Because, God forbid, they do any movie in fucking Phase 4, 5, or 6 that doesn't have another universe. Yeah. Like, why can't it just be a hole in the universe that's still bad? Why does it have to be another reality? Like, why? Why did we have to do that? You went this whole movie, which is a record in phases four and five. You went so long without referencing a multiverse. And then they went, nah, it's been too long. We got to throw a multiverse somewhere in this fucking movie. No, you didn't. You did so good at lowering your stakes and not doing this bullshit. And they went multiverse. That kind of, I was just like, why? Just why? Uh, I, I, I very much agree with what you were saying about like the villains motivations and all of those things. Like if you're going to have that stuff, show some of the Cree civil war, show some of that shit. Just don't go, don't have, have her being like, Oh, I'm so mad at the Annihilator. And then people go, why? And they go, the reasons. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Enough said, I guess. Like, 
this isn't a comic book. You actually have more than 32 pages you can do. Uh, it's just, it was so weak. And I think the easiest way to fix this movie is kind of do something along the lines of like Star Trek, uh, a voyage home, which was Star Trek four, where they go back in time to save the whales, but just have it be that Hala is dying. And captain Marvel feels slightly responsible for it. And as much as she doesn't like the Kree and what they stand for, she doesn't want to be ultimately the cause of a planet dying and a people dying. And so just have some MacGuffin of where they're like, well, there's a Cree legend that there are these four artifacts that they used to restart their son before. Like this isn't even the first time this has happened, but there are four Cree artifacts out in the universe and cool, but you, you already did the whole thing where their powers intertwined a little bit. So that's how you pull, you know, Monica and Kamala into the story. So it's not just a Captain Marvel story. And then they go on a buddy trip of just finding the artifacts. And maybe you just yeah. have one Cree that is like, I don't trust her. She started this. I don't trust her. So this other Cree's trying to get this shit. But doing it kind of at a more like at all costs manner of doesn't care if she destroys a planet to get an artifact, doesn't care. You know what I mean? Have that conflict a little bit. Because, A, that requires way less backstory than what they were trying to put in this, you know? And just say, hey, you did this shit. I don't trust you to save us. That's a simpler story for the villain so it doesn't feel as empty. Because you're telling me there's more story, but God forbid you show it. Cool, if you just say, I don't trust you, there's way less backstory needed. Because you can literally show the scenes that they showed, and that be your backstory. Yeah, kind of like the one, the one Cree who who was just kind of like, well, I guess we don't have a choice. You know, that guy could have been the guy, <laughs> and that's fine. You know. Uh, yeah. So, like, you just do that, and so then that way it's kind of like a race thing, you know. Or maybe have her be a Cree that is like almost like a Thanos disciple. Maybe her logic is, or like this Kree's logic is no. Like during the, like have it be a remnant of the civil war and just have her be like, no, the Kree's that will survive are the ones that deserve to survive. And she's just trying to stop Captain Marvel from getting it. Maybe that's even a better one of just trying to stop Captain Marvel. Cause it's like, no, for the Kree empire to be strong again, the weak Cree need to die. So maybe that's a little more conflict that still does not require much backstory. You know, so you don't feel an empty hole in them just going, we have a backstory, but sh- it's a secret. We can't tell you like it, it feels more complete, but then also you just kind of lean into the strengths of the movie, which is just the people on a road trip. You could still go to a song and dance planet. You can go to a scroll planet. You know, you could find out one of them's on Earth and still get the whole flark and shit on the space station. You know, you could still get all that. And then that way, I think, you, like I said, you lean more into the strength of the movie instead of adding a weird weakness. 
which was the villain. And I, I, I want to talk about the Florkin scene a little bit. I, God, did that scene just weirdly work so much. I mean, I know I'm kind of like predisposed to liking that. It's a bunch of cats and kittens everywhere. Of course, my ass is going to like it. My whole life is just nothing but cats and kittens at this point. So, yeah, it's like I, 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 I felt at home with that scene. But like narratively, it's it's weird and it's in a weird place. It's not something you standardly do. But fuck, did it work? I mean, just seeing weirdly going into a horror scene where people are just running and getting eaten by cats. And that scene where goose is with its kitten and that woman hides around the corner and looks and is like, Oh, they're gone. And goose, the kitten are now sitting on the other side. Like they're fucking Jason Voorhees. That was fucking great. And I loved it too. That, Kamala's just sitting there grabbing a cat and she's like, I'm sorry. And just having the cat just eat people nonstop. Fucking fantastic. You know, I like the scene where Captain Marvel's like, ooh, come here, kitty. And just kind of run around. Why? Because I did that earlier that day. Chasing one of my fucking kittens. I get it. It just weirdly works so fucking much. And I love that just Nick Fury just was like, Hey, we's doing some cat shit today. Pretty much, yeah. Like, and that's why I said, like, this movie, I I felt like somebody at the MCU, somebody at Marvel, somebody at Disney, whoever, just there was one person that just couldn't get out of the way of what they were doing in this movie. It you just someone just sat there and was giving bad notes. Like, now nah, we gotta go back to some of the normal Marvel shit. You didn't need to. This movie was succeeding without that. So let it succeed without that. One of the reasons why I think the MCU is getting so inconsistent is the fact that it is getting bogged down by itself. It's feeling like so many of the movies feel like they have to be, they always have to be a part of the bigger story. They always have to, you know, tie into something. They always have to be a part of the bigger thing. They always have to do this and that. The universe constantly has to be at a threat. And I think where this movie succeeds the most is going, no, it doesn't. Sometimes it can just be a small thing. Sometimes it can just be, some shit's happening and a superhero's got to take care of it. The world doesn't have to end. It can just, you know, sometimes it, it, it's fine that just maybe one person's life is in danger or, you know, just something is just in danger, not earth, not the planet, not the universe, not everything all the time. Cause this movie was so good at not doing that. And then all of a sudden at the end, they're like, the earth's in danger. And now the universe is in danger because there's a hole in space and it's just going to crumple everything. And it's like, this wasn't a thing the whole movie. And just now it is for five minutes. It's like, fuck man. Why? I just, I don't see the point in that. I, 
and it ruined a good thing that this movie was doing. Not, and the good thing is with this being such a short movie, it only gets ruined for five minutes and then it's done. Like it's, you know, it, it, there's not enough time to get ruined. So, okay. But also like they are weirdly, is Marvel just admitting that they should not have killed Lashana Lynch between movies? That's the person that plays Monica. Like, or is it Maria? I'm sorry. Plays Maria. Cause they are doing everything they can to bring that woman back into the MCU. <laughs> they really are. I know they really are. <laughs> They're going, Hey, we're going to make you a captain America. We're going to make you a binary. You're going to be back in the MCU at some point. Cause we had you and we killed you off. And now you're all in James Bond and Matilda. You being a big thing. So we're going to bring you back no matter what. You're just going to be a character at some point again. Like, but we're still weirdly going to, they're not even doing like they did with Jimma Chan where they're like just recast her or something else. They're like, nope. We're bringing you back same as the same character. character. Yeah. But different. But same. <laughs> I still want her to be the new Bond. I'll be honest. <laughs> hey, that's fine. I just think it's so weird that like she died like five movies ago and she's just every chance they get that woman's back on the screen. <laughs> yep. It's she is she the jigsaw of the MCU? You kill her off like eight <laughs> movies ago and she's still showing up? Yes, that's it. Yep. Pretty much. Like they, they realize they fucked up, but they're just like, nah, bring her back. But I digress. I I, I just think that the, there's some simple fixes in this, and I I I think it would have been that much better for it. Um I do real quick want to talk to you guys about the box office for this movie, though. Not good. Not good at all. Uh, 47 million U.S. domestic opening weekend. Lowest opening since, I think, The Incredible Hulk. Even Ant-Man was way bigger than this. Drastically lower than the first Captain Marvel. The first Captain Marvel has the benefit of being the only MCU movie that happens between Infinity War and Endgame. So, you know, everybody wants to say that Marvel faked the numbers. No, it was the one MCU movie between the other two biggest MCU movies to ever exist. Of course, it's going to get some residual stuff no matter what. Like, it's all we had at that time, you know. This one's not doing good box office wise. Uh, budget's roughly 200 to 250. I've heard some people say 300 million million, but so it needs to make anywhere between four to six hundred million dollars to be profitable. I think it was sitting at 88 million worldwide. So box office wise, it's kind of safe to say this might be a failure, which is a bummer, but yeah, the one big plus is, it might get a boost on Thanksgiving around a bunch of family. You need a family movie to go to and you don't necessarily want to go see a Disney animated movie. This is it. Yeah. Oh, I mean, they have that trolls movie, but I don't know. They've made like nine of those movies and I don't know a single person that's ever seen one. I don't know how they keep getting made. Because there is, this is like what Trolls World Tour Concert Extravaganza 5 or whatever. And 
I just don't know a single human that's ever actually watched one of those movies. But I, I, th- this might get a boost then. That this might get a boost this weekend, because as far as family movies go, the only one coming out is Trolls this weekend. Outside of that, you've got the Hunger Games prequel, which isn't a kids movie. And you've got Thanksgiving, which is a rated R slasher movie based around a holiday. So, you know, this might be your best family entertainment movie over the next couple of weeks. We, I mean, like I said, you have Disney's Wish coming out in a couple of weeks, but or Thanksgiving weekend. But this, this might get a boost then. Justin knows Thanksgiving's a very busy time at a movie theater. Yeah. Because, you know, people are around their families and then they realize they don't want to actually have to talk to their families. So they go to the movies because then you can be together as a family, but you don't have to talk to anyone because it's rude to talk at a theater. So. I mean, yeah, it was so weird being in that theater. There were fucking five of us in that entire fucking theater on a Monday night at 730. Five fucking people at a Marvel movie. Yeah, I think there was like three other people in mine. Yeah. When I went, it was low too, and it's just uh, crazy. And I wonder, I wonder, is it just that people just didn't have any interest in this? Like, because the people who've seen it, like, even when I remember looking on my feeds on social media and looking at, you know, different comments about the movie and stuff, most people are saying, I saw it and I enjoyed it. You know, even in the articles where they're because, you know, people are jumping on. Oh, man, this movie's bombing. Is this the end of the MCU? The comic fatigue is real. You know, I'm seeing a lot of that stuff out there. But when I look at the comment sections, it's nothing but people saying, hey, I saw the movie and I liked it. I saw it and my kids liked it. We enjoyed it. It was pretty fun. This, then the other. Nobody is talking bad about it. But nobody is. I think going it's a promotion it. issue. Think so? I mean, there's only a handful of movies that have truly succeeded during yeah. the the time of no promotion. You know, yeah. Barbie and Oppenheimer, their promotional. I mean, the strike started what two days before that came out, so they had done shit for that. Outside of that, the biggest movies since then are what. Five Nights at Freddy's, which just weirdly has a coldly huge fan base, apparently. I did not know that many people loved. I, of course, before the movie, I didn't know there were books based on this shit. I, I thought there was like three games. There's like 10 games, fucking books, comics, all kinds. Of, I'm like, holy shit. Apparently, there's a lot to this. Uh, the movie doesn't actually show you a lot to it, but still. Anyway, Um but there's that in the Taylor Swift movie, which, of course, you don't need promotion for a Taylor Swift movie. Everybody's going and seeing that because, you know, no one could afford those tickets. Or even just get them. I mean, they, they you know, they sold out in like half a second. So, you know, like that's the two biggest movies outside of, you know, Barbenheimer. So I'm wondering if this, you know, because this is deep into it. So I wonder if it's just. That long of the only like hype you have for this movie is trailers and TV commercials. 
you know, like, or a website ad that is just a part of the trailer or TV commercial. That's all, that's all the promotion this movie got. So I wonder if that plays into it, you know, cause like if this was any other year, man, you would have had Brie Larson, uh, Amon and God, I knew her name like five seconds ago. Tiana. Yeah. You would have had all of them on fucking Kelly Clarkson and Jimmy Fallon. You know what I mean? You would have had them all over the place. They would have hosted SNL together. They would have done all this shit, you know? So that's, what's weird about it is I think that like, that's what you don't get. I mean, how great would it have been to see Amon on fucking Hot Ones eating some hot wings? It'd have been fantastic. But we didn't get that shit. You know, all the shit that this stuff kind of hinges on, we didn't get. And I think it's because it's so deep into it that they also didn't have any pre-recorded shit. You know, because a lot of the shit early on in the strike was all shit they had recorded like a month or two months beforehand. You know, to promote the shit, just like to have advertisements and promotional shit ready to go. You know, they do that so much, you know, like uh, Disney's Haunted Mansion, dude. They 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 film shit like three months before the movie came out, like, you know, two months before the strike started. It was just sitting there waiting to be used whenever, you know, the movie came out and then a strike happened. But they still had shit. They still had the actors being like, oh, go see my movie. Because it was filmed before the strike. They didn't have shit for that because I guarantee they were like, nah, we don't got to worry about that shit. We'll end that strike in a month because they can't possibly stand up to us. Oh no. It's the longest actor strike in the history of the actors guild. Oh no. It ended the day before this movie came out. Oh no. You know what I mean? Like it's that shit. I think, I think there's just no hype for this movie. So maybe people seeing it and people liking it might be what can get it over the hump because then you might get a word of mouth buzz that might get it. Yeah. And the critics aren't hating it. It doesn't have the worst critic score. It's weirdly low to me. I, whenever I, I went into this thinking it was going to be just mediocre at best just based on the scores you know because i'm like oh it it struggled to get back up over 60 it was in the 50s for a while and then just kind of trickled up into the 60s i was like oh man it was my hopes that adding miss marvel to this were is it being dashed and then i watched it and i'm like really like 40 or 38 percent of critics just did not like it at all. I mean, I was just really surprised as low as it was. And then the fan score sitting at like in the mid eighties, you know, even higher than our score essentially. Yeah. And I weirdly enough agreed with the fans at that point. That's especially with an MCU movie. I, I, I rarely like the fact that I like this movie more than you guys mind boggling. Mind boggling. I still don't even think I comprehend that completely. And I know it's it's a small amount. I mean, I was only one point higher than Heather, but 
you also wanted this movie to be longer, which is also unheard of for you. <laughs> yeah, I want a Marvel movie to be longer. I don't even want regular movies to be longer, but I'm asking an MCU movie to be longer. The fuck? Must be a multiverse. I don't know. <laughs> Am I a multiversal Sterling? Did I get switched with another universe of Sterling and not know you it? You might have. You yeah. might be a variant. Yep. Maybe you're the variant, man. Maybe you are. I'm but. a variant Sterling. Maybe I am. But, Maybe it happened a few months ago because like I'm all like eating better now. I'm all working out now. What the fuck happened to me? It's true. You have switched a lot of things, like a lot of activities. Yeah, you are different. Are you a variant? I, I, it's a good question. Like I don't drink as much as I used to. I, I don't really, I know I vape. Everybody sees me vape every once in a while, but like, I only smoke like one cigarette like a month, maybe two if I'm feeling crazy because I still love it. But I, man, I work out. I work out. I have a regimen, a fucking regimen. The fuck is that? And I've been doing more. Like when I started like legit lifting weights, like I wasn't even doing resistance training anymore, like legit lifting weights. I was doing like 30 minutes of just like nonstop weightlifting. I'm up to an hour now. I've, I fucking looked up moves to do like different movements to target. I'm thinking about targeting muscle groups. What the fuck is my life now? And I'm liking some Marvel movies. The fuck? What was the last Marvel movie? Was the last movie Marvel movie Guardians? Yeah, I think it was. Yeah. Nothing else came out? I don't think between then and now. I don't think so. I liked the last (laughs) two Marvel movies. To be fair, the the Guardians was a James Gunn movie. So still, I I've liked two Marvel movies in a row. Yeah, something's off. I haven't done that since before Infinity War. Yeah, because I was off. mediocre on <laughs> Infinity War. I liked Captain Marvel, and I did not like Endgame. And you know, Far From Home <laughs> was okay, but Black Widow bad. Like, or okay. Shang-Chi, good, but then the next one, bad. Like, the next one was Eternals, bad. Like, you know what? I haven't liked two more movies in a row. Is your Apple Watch a bangle of, of switching <laughs> with somebody? <laughs> it might be. Fuck, I wear two watches. The fuck is up with me? Oh, my God. Am I, is that, is that what it is, Justin? Like working out? Is that what makes you like Marvel movies? Is that what it is now? Because <laughs> ever since I started working out, I like Marvel movies. Maybe there is a correlation. Maybe I didn't realize it myself. Maybe that's why. Hey, I, like I work so out much. more than I used to, and I have liked some of them less. So I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe it's less just a thing me, with though. men with less hair. The more you work out, the more you like Marvel movies. Bald man. Yeah. Just bald man. (laughs) Oh, man. What is going on? 
I eat vegetables. I've never actually been against vegetables since I was a kid. But still, like, I actively eat vegetables every day. What is that? Fruit? Oh, I eat so much fruit. Like, I somebody asked me today, like, oh, like, they, like, noticed today, they're like, oh, you've lost a lot of weight. And I'm like, yeah. And they're like, well, how'd you do it? And I'm like, eat a lot of fruit, vegetables, and yogurt. That is, like, the biggest thing of my diet every day. Fruit, vegetables, and yogurt. I eat four cups of yogurt a day. I've never eaten that much yogurt in my life. I think I eat more yogurt a month than the 38 years before that. (laughs) Fuck, man. I still can't believe And I like two Marvel movies in a row. Not even this year, just in a row. You guys got any more thoughts about this movie? No. I'm good. On that note, thank you guys for listening to this episode of the Cinema Slayers Podcast. Check us out on the internet at www.cinemaslayers.com. Cinema Slayers Podcast on Facebook. Cinema underscore Slayers on uh, Instagram and threads. At Cinema Slayers Pod on TikTok. At Cinema Slayers Pod on YouTube. Uh, give us a five-star rating review. We'd really appreciate it. Really help us out. Tell your family, tell your friends, tell your friends, family, tell your family's friends. Most of all, tell those dear sweet mothers because dear sweet mothers love. The strike being over. I was going to say Iman. Yeah. Iman. Yeah. Her too. And Iman's mother. Yeah. Moms love Iman's mother. <laughs> yes. <laughs> this is true. But mostly Iman, Iman Bellani. I wish my mom was like her. We, <laughs> we might have a relationship if I had a mom like that. It'd be fantastic. Uh, shout out to Plug Migo and Mundo Cho for our theme song and logos, respectively. Just remember here at the Simple Slayers podcast, we were both pro-slut, pro-Sydney, pro-naked. You are enough. Wasn't I adding another thing after the last one? I don't remember. It was something weird that Heather was. Was she pro like torture? Yeah, that's right. Pro torture. Heather's just Heather. I well, I don't want to speak for Justin. Justin, are you pro torture? No. So all right, Heather is pro torture. I don't know why I helped you with this, but yeah. You could have let me forget. Cause I did not remember. But Heather is pro torture. False advertising guys, no. We have audio evidence of that shit. I don't know why you act like that. Where the fuck am I at in this outro? I don't even know. I am lost. I'm fumbling the end kind of like this movie did. Just kind of getting lost in the shit. Uh, See, we did that. We did that. Uh, I guess at this point, just remember, as I was in these TikToks, these YouTube videos, and this podcast, remember, according to Jastin, Moon Knight is a Best Picture winner. Somebody will listen to me. Yeah, really Nobody knows anything but you. Helps it get more people. All right. Are you ready? Yes. Come on. Cinema Slayers. Cinema Slayers.
It's at 114,000 worldwide right now, according to Box Office Mojo. So, see, I I think part of it is too is just everybody's like, oh, superhero fatigue or Marvel fatigue, whatever. Man, it does not help when DC's throwing bad movies out there too. Yeah, because like you're trying to argue John to John Q. Public, what is Marvel and what's DC? What's this? What's that? All this shit, and you know. You've got The Flash, which is terrible. And you've got Blue Beetle, which is, I mean, it's, you know, it's not bad. But nobody else fucking saw that either because nobody knew what the fuck that was. You know? Yeah. And then you got these two characters that didn't debut in any of the movies. They, their debuts were on the streaming shows. So... How many people saw those? You know, how many people um, actually saw those? So, and does that translate to box office buys? So, I mean, you know, it's just maybe this formula of the shows to the movies to back to the shows to the movies, maybe it's just not going to work. You know, maybe we have arrived to a point where they're going to have to really reevaluate everything and try something different. I mean, you know, I I would say that maybe they should have saw it coming, but how could they have until you tried it? Like nobody else has done this shit. That's why it's like the hardest thing. Like nobody else, no other thing has done this shit except them. So how do you know till you try it and see it's kind of, that's kind of the risk of it, I guess. And the reward. I think, I think part of it is just the sheer fact that, like, maybe when they're introducing new characters, they need to limit that, especially characters that they plan on being a big part of the MCU. Don't introduce them in a TV show, though. Like, you know what your Disney Plus numbers are. You know that. You know how many people are watching this shit versus how many people were seeing the movies and all this other stuff, like especially when they went into WandaVision going, you need to see WandaVision. If you want to understand Dr. Strange, they said that from the beginning, you know? So that might be that weird balance of characters like Miss Marvel and maybe even Kate Bishop, like, or just characters you're doing in the future need to debut in a movie. Then you do a spinoff series with them. That might be the way you have to go, though. Because outside of, you know, a handful of characters, they've they all the new characters in the MCU have all been on the Disney Plus series. Yeah. You know, even fucking Falcon as Captain America was introduced in the show. You know? Yeah. So you're kind of making people go, well, so then a person... Maybe they look, they see the movies coming out and they're like, okay, so I got to watch what I got to watch this. I got to watch this. I got to watch this. So I'll know what's going on. Well, I ain't going to watch it then. Or they think I'll wait till it's all available on streaming and what and binge it all then. But you know, I'm not, but, but, but they no longer have that audience where it's like, oh yeah, we all saw the last project. And now we're going to line up at the theater for this one. We're kind of past that, you know, this is kind of uncharted territory. And then 
they've had so much happen. The stuff with Jonathan Majors, the then then COVID, all the delays, the strike, the you know certain actors' contracts, this, then the other. It's like so much has happened. You know, it's a wonder if they'll ever really get it back to what it was, you know? Crazy. Crazy, crazy. I'm done. I'm well, just... well, even today, they, <laughs> they lost their director for King Dynasty. Oh, what? The guy, the guy that directed uh, Shang-Chi, he left. He, he was the director of King Dynasty, and he left today. Wow. So, so you got all that happening on top of just delays here, there, like it's just been. And then I feel like over all that time, all that stuff happening, COVID, all of this stuff, your audience has kind of changed too. You know, we talked about that a couple of episodes ago where the audience is kind of embracing shorter movies and stuff like that. So in a way, it was smart for them to go to the hour and 45, but, you know, you have to make way more changes, though. Yeah, you know? I just, I, I think, I mean, just in general, with what they're doing with movies, something's got to give at some point, because everything's hit or miss at this point. There is no, like, it's almost like there is no guaranteed box office anymore. I mean, how did Mission Impossible 7 go from being this insanely successful franchise that's you know making you know six to eight hundred million a a movie making like 200 or 300 million in just one movie with no dropping quality i mean it makes sense for the fast franchise the the movies have stopped being good but mission impossible just dropped because yeah and it's just like So that argument, because, you know, you hear a lot of people make the argument, well, the problem is they don't make good movies anymore. So that's why people are not going to see them. But that's not always the case because there'll be these movies that are pretty good and they bomb too. So Mission Impossible and this movie, they're both good. Yeah. So that can't be, it can't just be, oh, the movie's good or bad. And that doesn't make any sense anyway, because you have to see the movie to know if it's good or bad. So are you arguing that people are assuming it's going to be bad? Is it because of the inconsistency of the Marvel movies? So have their own inconsistencies caused that caused people to lose faith in something? It could be new like this. Like it could be that like, you know, people have gotten burned too much with them. So now they're like, yeah, I'll wait till streaming. Yeah. And that's just the mindset I'll, now. Yeah. I'll wait and see what happens. I don't got to be there day one. I'll wait and see what happens. Or like you said, I'll wait uh, till streaming. You know, now the urgency is not there. And maybe they got too greedy, man. Maybe when they were like, oh, we're going to spread across. We're going to have this big, long multiverse story. And now with the multiverse, we can do whatever we want. So we're going to have all these Disney plus series and we're going to have all of these movies and we don't, and we and we're just going to barely tell the timeline story so we can have all of this stuff and maybe it backfired, bro. Maybe they just got a little too greedy. 
I mean, shit, they've got know. Christmas specials now. Yep. Who knows? I mean, I, I do hope this movie ends up doing better because it's a good movie. So we'll see. Yeah. All right, I'm out.